Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. You join Catherine Whitaker, Matt Roberts, and myself, David Law, in the Media Garden at Flushing Meadows. We are between sessions now because we've just seen the first of the men's singles semi-finals. So what are we, about 7 o'clock in the evening as we come to you? We'll have a part two to this edition of the Tennis Podcast to look back on the night session. But it is, I think, a, a, a lovely time of the day here, especially with the weather like this. It's, it's fresh. It's been warm today, but it's not been too warm. Um, looking around us, we have the sun setting over the practice courts to my right. In the distance, I can see the grandstand court, and the, the sky is a sort of pale orange and a pale blue all at the same time. The floodlights are flickering on it. I mean, it really is an amazing place to be. There's a buzz around Flushy Meadows at the moment. And Catherine, we've, we've just seen Casper Rude win through to the final in four sets I kind of feel that was what I was expecting from from that match in terms of the feel of it. Because you read the newsletter predictions. Uh, I mean, admittedly, I didn't go for Casper Rude. What, what did you What did you two go for? Rude in four. Rude in four. Oh, all right then. Okay, so it's not a surprise to Catherine and Matt whatsoever. You uh, were getting at the feel, though, weren't you? In and I, I share your view completely. Yeah, well, I, I was because. I mean, I, found, I actually found it a really in, intriguing match because of, of what's on the line for both of them. They're both first-time semi-finalists. In fact, all four of them are first-time US Open semi-finalists, aren't they? So it's just such a huge deal to them both. And watching them try to navigate that when Rude is quite clearly a better player, but that doesn't guarantee a win. It's such a, It must be such a moment in his life to try to come to terms with it. I always say, until you've proved you can do it you don't know you can do it yeah that's such a good point because when you have two players with very similar game styles you kind of have that just very stark well which one of them's better and I, I think we'd all agree that Kasparud is the better tennis player has more game has more brain I think in terms of how to deploy his skills but you know there's a reason why we play tennis matches and don't just award wins based on rankings P.S. The rankings might be meaningless. Um, yeah, so you're right. It was fascinating, particularly that first set, which was 
not brilliant but was compelling it was so nervy wasn't it it was almost I imagined that each one was thinking well thank god he's nervous as well or I'd be having a berrettini out out here I'd be I'd be Caroline Garciaing it up if he wasn't nervous too um yeah they they seemed both <laughs> both as anxious as each other I thought which made made for a compelling watch yeah and then suddenly Matt you got the payoff at the end of that first set yeah how strange for what was a nervy set to end in such spectacular fashion I mean it was quite a nervy rally but it was a 55 shot rally and I was out in the stadium for it and I feel like the crowd went through various different stages while they were watching it there was sort of disbelief people started laughing and then suddenly everyone was on the edge of their seat wondering what was going to happen and Kasper Ruud finished it with a backhand down the line didn't he and I think it was a it was a good sort of moment of of growth because I do think his backhand has come on I, I actually like his backhand more on a hard court than a clay court because he hits it flatter he hits through it a bit more and probably hasn't got to play it quite so high up yeah you know on his body it's not getting up on him as much maybe. yeah so I, I felt he hit his backhand well today and yeah it was a, it was an amazing crescendo for that first set to finish on and then Casper Ruud really relaxed into the match didn't he in that second set he was fantastic hitting his forehand big just accelerated away from Hachinov uh, it was a, it was a really key moment that that 55 shot rally and, and Rude came out on top yeah I commentated on that set so I, I described had to describe ball by ball that particular rally and I I got out of breath a few times in the rally you know and you're thinking I've already commentated on the longest point there will ever be so I've got this I know I've got this <laughs> well I, I somehow I'd done a f- 54 straight rally in the final of the 2013 US Open between Nadal and Djokovic and I remember that vividly because I ended up you know using that to sort of like flag up how I commentate once um, and I remember that experience was both players getting an upper hand in the rally and you think the point is over and because Djokovic and Nadal are so incredible at retrieving you 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 have to almost reboot uh, and go back down the octaves because you you kind of build up to a crescendo in a rally when you think the point's going to end and it just didn't this one didn't have those ebbs and flows it was much more kind of much more back and forth it was back and forth but it was it was normal shots really it was te- yeah. quite tentative really yeah. and then it suddenly was. you had this moment at the end and it just exploded um, and, I, and you, you feel a bit wiped out at the end of it goodness knows how the players feel after a 55 stroke rally um, and at the end of that that just took all the stuffing out of Hachinov didn't it because Catherine I, I walked out to the public area to go and I thought I'm going to get a coffee to try and recover from that shot, that rally, and I'm going to get something to eat. It's all about you, David, isn't it? Casper really Ruud's is. there gasping for breath. Yeah, I mean, he, and, and frankly, David said, "I need a walk around." And he could have been a bit more considerate, in all honesty, and made that second set last a bit longer because I didn't get my meal. I, I got my cup of coffee, and I was back up. But I mean, he just jumped on Hachinov after that. Yeah, well, honestly, David, you're lucky you got as long as you did because it was a six-two set for Casper Ruud, but the stats in the eye test tell you it was more one-sided than that I mean it really could have been six love I think he had points to win every game either break or break or game points in every game um, he won 100% of his own service points 
didn't we won it? five Goodness. out of five net points. Um, and I think more than 30 of the 40 points played in the whole set. I mean, it was utterly dominant. And is that was that Hatchinov's level just nosediving or was that rude being inspired because of the what, what was your feel both. to what was going on because yeah, I didn't see much of I that think set. Set that one sided has to be both really especially in a Grand Slam semi-final where you know both these guys can play yeah um, definitely both and I'm, I'm very impressed that Hashinov came back in that third set and he his celebration after winning the third really made me believe that he thought the comeback was on and maybe it was on, but Kasparu didn't think it was on. My, Shut that door. My sense was that Hatchinov, and, and this is his the problem that he has to try to find a solution to, and I don't know whether it is solvable, is he was redlining his game from point one. And he just goes foot to the floor, this is what I do, I go full out, and hopefully it's enough. And, and I th- I'm not sure you can do that for the best of five sets at the, the very elite level like that. And I think there's a, there was a bit of, there's a bit of panic about the way he goes up about it. There's an anxiety, whereas Rude, you could see kind of weathering things a little bit more. And yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And he has, you know, he's he's had a couple of, ma- or at least one, I'm thinking of the Mute match in, it must have been round three, the Mute match. Um, lucky loser, Corentin Mute of drip fame. Um <laughs> Where he and I think there was one other I just can't bring it to mind right now where he he was totally in control two sets to love up completely dominant and just took his eye off the ball a bit and sort of seemingly unnecessarily dropped dropped the third set so maybe that helped him today the fact that he's he's sort of done that a couple of times and it's really not affected the course of the match at all because um, that's kind of how it felt early on in the fourth set it was like oh okay as we were as we were in the second. I thought he was brilliant in that fourth set, Rude. I really did. Uh, he hit a spectacular forehand up the line to get the break. Uh, and okay, Hatchnov was a bit ragged and error strewn, but that was a that was a moment where Hatchnov could have really extended this match, and Rude could have got tight and started thinking about his lead. And he just didn't. It was, it was just he just sensed the moment. He just he just put that third set behind him and started again in the fourth I thought it was impressive and actually thinking back now to the French Open semi-final that Rude played where he was against Chilich, I felt like he was the favourite in that one as well even though Chilich had the Grand Slam experience Rude was, is the better clay court player there's actually two Grand Slam semi-finals that Rude's played where I would say he's been the favourite going in which, which is a privilege, really, because, you know, it's not like Murray running into Federer and Djokovic in all of his first Grand Slam finals. You would want to be the better player. But it, it comes with its own pressure, doesn't it? And I just think he's, he's dealt with it really, really well. He, he, he's never looked overawed. He's, he's just played his game, come up with spectacular shots when he's needed to. Just very polished performances in... In big matches, yeah, the, the the carrying the role of the favourite and the player is supposed to win is is a, a technique all of its own, mm. really. And he does appear to have mastered that. There was one moment at the end of that third set when it went against him. Do you remember the final against Nadal at the French when they caught a glimpse of him looking up at his dad and looking lost? Yes. Oh, yes. And vividly. 
I'll never forget that. And, and the look in his eyes, I, I, I kind of wanted to give him a hug on, on that day. And there was just a, a second when he did the same towards the end of that third set, a kind of, what, what do I do? Look in his eyes. And, uh, and it kind of breaks my heart to watch him sort of look like that. Um, but he just quickly gathered himself. Look, he's not up against Nadal at Roland Garros, so it's, it's not the same challenge. But he's so quickly rebooted, and, and he is that combination, isn't he? He's a combination of efficient, but he's got these quick silver feet. He's so fast around the court, and he actually can produce the spectacular as well. I, I really enjoyed watching him today. I don't always enjoy it, but today I did. Yeah, and I, I expect Sunday's final, no matter who he's up against, to feel so different to yeah. the French Open final, which never felt competitive, didn't it? And part of that was the fact that it's Nadal at Roland Garros going for number 14. Part of that was the fact that it was Kasparud's first ever Grand Slam final. And part of it, I think, was that he was a little bit just happy to be there. Um, happy to be on court with Nadal in a Roland Garros final and I don't think he feels that way this time his his celebration was a little muted, his interview with James Blake afterwards was very controlled, it felt like okay one more now and this is me now and this is me now, I, I expect this of myself um, I, I know what he was saying was specifically at this tournament, you know, this is all a bonus. I didn't necessarily think I'd get this far at this tournament. But I think, big picture, he sees himself as someone that belongs generally in Black Grand Slam finals, whereas perhaps he hadn't made that mental adjustment in, uh, in May or June of this year. So I, whoever it's against, as we come to you now, the second semi-final hasn't yet been played. We'll, we'll obviously talk about that later. I expect it to be a good final. I expect Kasparud to make it a match. Yeah. What, what was your sense, Matt, of what we saw from Hachinov today? Do you look at that performance and think, OK, well, he's got to a semi now, he'll go a step further in the future? Or, or is your instinct that that may well be as good as it gets for him? I know that's a, difficult, that's a nasty question to ask somebody, but, you know, Honestly, probably the latter. Like... I didn't think he'd get to the semi-finals here. I think he's already shown me more than I was expecting of him by getting this far, by toughing out five set wins against Krenja Buster and Kyrgios. Those were, those were really impressive. But I think he's now lost something like 18 or 19 of his of matches consecutively against top 10 players. There's a, there's a very clear ceiling there and I was listening to the World Feed commentary a little bit during this match with Mary Carrillo and she said when you've only got a hammer every ball is a nail and oh, Mary. of course that's it isn't it there's just not the subtlety in his game and I think Rude on the other hand actually has got a lot more subtlety he's happy to use the slice occasionally he really comes forward well Rude and finishes points at the net just as you said with Hachinov it's all quite one paced and one dimensional and I think he likes a, he likes a battle he likes it to be a, a bit of a slugfest toe to toe toe to toe and he can use his physical prowess a little bit but I don't know there, there are obvious limitations I think um, so I would I don't think I would predict Karen Hachinov to be reaching Grand Slam finals but 
He's, he's always been quite solid at the French Open, hasn't he? And you could maybe see a draw there opening up and him, him getting going on a run again. But I feel like Hachinov has kind of had a, a great two weeks here and I'm not predicting it to sort of carry on many more times. I don't know whether that's harsh, but that's No, well, I, I share that feeling, view. I, I share that view. I, I have to say, I didn't really expect him to do what he's done this week. Well, I quite. thought Corinna Buster would take care of him. I mm, thought Kyrgios would beat him. So it's been a really good run for him. But, you know, he's going to have to show something else, I think, certainly for me to believe. But then players do. I didn't expect Hans Jabeur would be doing what she's doing the a PS, few months Jack back. Draper served for a two sets to one lead against him. Mm. Didn't he in the um, well, he in the third round before yes, getting injured? Yes, of course injured. he did. Five yeah. two. That's right. Got, got injured. Yeah, yeah. I think just before, just before going to serve for that third set. Yes, so. that's right. Um, which actually makes you certainly makes me feel even more confident that Jack Draper, in, injuries permitting, has got a future that involves Grand Slam finals. So we shall see. So we know one of the men's singles semi-finalists. We now also know who's won the doubles on the men's side because we had an early match today. It was on the Arthrash Stadium court. It involved two British players, one either side of the net. Joe Salisbury from London alongside his American partner Rajiv Ram. They were the defending champions up against... From Putney, David. From Putney. Oh, I need to be... So literally, Joe Salisbury has been to the Putney Exchange, where Catherine and I used to record the old pod back in the day. I mean, I don't know that. I haven't interrogated him about that, but if you live in Putney... <laughs> and you haven't, and been, you to haven't been to the Putney Exchange, Exchange you're... Well, you're not... You're doing you're not, you're not doing a lot of shops at Waitrose, put it that way. You're not real Putney. Uh, it's a shopping centre, by the way. <laughs> and um, anyway, they were the defending champions, Salisbury and Ram, up against... Neil Skupski from Liverpool in, in England and his Dutch partner Wesley Koolhoff who've really been they've been the standout team all year on the tour but they haven't won a Grand Slam title yet so they, they're leading the race you know which is big as we know Rafa although I'm not sure they're that big on the race because in the post-match interview Joe Salisbury tried to offer them some sort of um, consolation consolation by saying you're still ahead of us in the race and their faces <laughs> oh dear. Which is weird though because the there are only how do I explain this? This is so like tennis in its level of complication. That's all right. There are, <laughs> there are only p- partnership rankings. There are only team rankings in the race. And Neil Skubsky told you David on on Five Live earlier this week because Sorry, I interrupted you there. I'm sure you were getting to saying this. There was not only the US Open title on the line today for these two pairings, there was also the world number one spot. Whoever won it out of Joe Salisbury and Neil Skubsky would go to world number one in, in the individual doubles yeah, rankings, which is a contradiction in terms. Now, there are team rankings, but only in the race. The there are rolling team rankings. Yeah. And Neil Skubsky had told you, David, earlier in the week on BBC Radio, when you'd asked him about the possibility of reaching world number one this week, he told you, well, I'm not bothered about that on an individual level. I'm bothered about being the number one team. Well, they still are the number one team. Yes. So... Probably just the immediate moments after a Grand Slam yes. final that they'd lost. Yes, you don't want to be thrown a bone by the people no. who've just beaten you, do you? So you, you've probably gathered there that Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram were victorious in this match. It was close, really close, seven six seven five. In there was a there was an inside out backhand that I saw Salisbury hit 
in that tiebreak that seemed to turn that first set. It was back to back, backhand return winners. Ram hit one, his single hander, and then Salisbury, not to be left out, hit one, and that that turned the tiebreak in in their favour. And then second set, um, Skupski, they got a, and Cool after got an early break. But then it was immediately retrieved, and, and that, I think that must have jolted them a bit. Yeah, they they were just more aggressive on the big points, Ram and Salisbury, and they did they didn't play badly today. Skubski and Kulhoff, they're a great team. I really think they will. Win. It's only a matter of time before they win a Grand Slam. They're too good not to. But Ooh. Martina Navratilova, very tennis relived. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Martina Hingis, you will win Roland Garros. Oh no, Garros. I've jinxed them. I uh, Martina Hingis. Um, Gosh, getting my Martinez mixed up. Martina Navratilova. Both great doubles players. <laughs> very pointedly said on the Prime Video coverage after the match that it it hurt Kulhoff and Skubsky that they stayed back on the big points. And obviously, you know, that's something she'll always advocate for in singles and in doubles, coming forward to finish off points. And it was notable that Ram and Salisbury did that. You know, they were looking to finish off the points, whereas... Skopsky and Kulhoff stayed back and for her that was that was what was decisive on, on the biggest points and it's a big deal to defend the men's doubles title only one team has ever done that in the open era um, and that was back in 1996 the Woodies so wow what company to be in absolutely and uh, Salisbury and Ram I like how they've both got the exact same number of Grand Slam titles. So they've obviously won three together in men's doubles, and then they've each got two mixed doubles titles. And I think Salisbury is closing in on Jamie Murray's doubles total of Grand Slams, which is seven, which is I think a British certainly open era record. So there's, and you know he's still pretty young, really, isn't he? There's there's big things still for Joe Salisbury and, and I was I was hearing that this is their fourth year as a partnership mm. which is that's pretty long time for a doubles mm. partnership mm. these days and I did wonder in that final maybe that was a difference maker you know Kulhoff and Skubski first time they've played a year together they've had an incredible year but they've yet to get over the line in a major title and just feeling those big moments mm. together I suppose makes a difference big Grand Slam finals yeah so congratulations to Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram um, what else has happened today Catherine of note well we had the women's doubles semi-finals um, and the first of those was won by Katie McNally and Taylor Townsend so that's back to back women's doubles finals for Katie McNally she she reached the final last year with Coco Goff lost to Stoza and Jung I think um, McNally and Townsend came back from losing the opening set 6-1 to Caroline Dollarhide and Storm Sanders today. Wow. 6-3, 6-3 in the second and third. And I'm going to do another shout-out for Taylor Townsend's outfit because it's sublime. And I learned today that she she has them in various different colours. Oh, mm. cool. Uh, and in that final, they'll play Barbara Kulchikova and Katerina Siniakova, who won through uh, yesterday, actually, against Nicole Melikar Martinez and Ellen Perez. So that match will be played tomorrow. Uh, no, that will be played Sunday, actually, before the men's singles final. And tomorrow it'll be the mixed doubles final played before the women's singles final. And that's Storm Sanders of losing in the women's doubles semi-finals earlier today fame. And her partner, John Pierce against Kirsten Flipkins retired Kirsten Flipkins 
unexpectedly reaching finals. Yeah, that's very uh, And Eduardo Roger Vasselin, who I thought retired about four years ago. <laughs> so that's all very unexpected. Um, we've had some wheelchair results today, which we should probably run through. Yes, it's, it's a shame that I'm saying it because Catherine says it so well. Dida de Root. Not beat bad. Anique Van Koot, 6-1-6-1. And Yui Kamiji beat Jiska Gifrian, 6-1-6-3 in the semi-finals. So De Hoot against Kamiji in the final. And then in the men's wheelchair final, we've got a rematch of the epic Wimbledon final between Alfie Hewitt and Shingo Kaneda. Hewitt served for that Wimbledon final Oof. four times, didn't oh, he? Oh, goodness. And I think led in the final set tie-break... Um, but they're meeting in the final. Kanida trying to become the first male wheelchair singles player to complete the calendar Grand Slam. Whoa. So I, that's, I, that's a great match. I interviewed Alfie a couple of days ago, um, and I, I kind of asked, how long did it take you to get over that? Or, or are you still thinking about it? He said, he said absolutely. I've, been, I, I've had a lot of nights up in the night thinking about that that match. But at the same time... It was a source of great pride for me, not only to, to get that far and be that close, but the sheer number of people that were watching and were interested and young players saying they wanted to be tennis players, you know, young, young men and women in wheelchairs saying, I want to do that, I want to take after you. And, and he, he said it was, it, it's what it makes it all, all worth it to him. And this is the first... Grand Slam tournament in history to have a junior wheelchair competition. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and he's, which is he, so great. He's, he said he's spoken to a lot of those uh, junior wheelchair players this week. Also, they've expanded the draw mm. to sixteen um, players for the first time, which is another huge step forward. Um, so, oh, it's going to be fascinating to watch that over this weekend, um, and I'm very much looking forward to it. The players have just come out onto the court for the night session. We're going to go and watch that, and then we'll be uh, reconvening to bring you the news and to give you our impressions of that. Um, it's been an interesting day to be at Flushing Meadows, um, the day after the news of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And um, also, just in terms of the way it feels like the world has has changed really over the last 25 years because certain sporting events are taking place in in the UK over this weekend not football um, but you know the, the BBC decided that that we would broadcast today's matches which which I wasn't necessarily expecting I'm, I'm glad they did for all the reasons that, that you've talked about Catherine of sport being important really for people to have the option to to watch and the escapism and the uh, and the good that it can can do for people, and to have the choice. Um, but it has been, it's been interesting to be British here in New York, hasn't it? Because oh, yes. um, our, our friends all over the place, from from uh, people that are officials, people um, doing jobs around the, the grounds, from fellow journalists that are American Random people in hotel lobbies. Yep, they, they've all been giving us their condolences, which is lovely, really. <laughs> I mean, it's, Many people are praying for us. Yes, it's, it's, it's lovely, really, the way uh, American America is so interested in the story mm. and, um, you know, well, feeling things. And it's, um, it's been a, an interesting experience to be here. Um, 
now we're going to go and watch the night session and see who's going to come out of Francis Tiafo against Carlos Alcaraz. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, you're getting the full experience of our US Open life, folks, because you join us after midnight... On the media bus, Catherine, Matt and myself huddled together, uh, ready to go back to Manhattan after another five-set classic for Carlos Alcaraz, because that's all he does. And the reason my voice sounds a bit croaky is because I was shouting at the top of my voice in the stadium. Not a good idea when you've got a broadcast over the next three days, but Catherine, that's the kind of effect it had on me. What would you say about the five-set epic that you've just seen Carlos Alcaraz win to reach the US Open final for the first time in his life? I think all I can say is that for the first time in my life during a tennis match today, I or during a tennis point, I've, de- I've definitely cried during and in the aftermath of a match, but I, I, I cried midpoint today. You, you cried in the middle of a point? Mm. In the middle of a point. Right, okay, describe mm. the point. Oh, I set myself <laughs> right up there. Would you like me to describe All I the can point? remember is that it ended with a forehand down the line winner from Carlos Alcaraz, which by no means captures how ludicrous the, the point was. Okay, so I, I, I defer to you. Yeah, I'll describe the point. So they're, they're involved in a lung-busting rally, obviously, um, at which point Francis Tiafo comes to the net and he hits... Um, now let me get this right he hits a little volley cross court that Alcaraz slides to retrieve gets it back Tiafo hits a backhand volley cross court dink that uh, Alcaraz slides full length to get to and scoops back up crowd are just 
gasping, but that one basically just sits up then for uh, Tiafo to hit a punch volley down the line, easy put away, and he does it, he executes it just as he would want to, and then out of nowhere, Alcaraz appears, and with the ball behind him, hooks a forehand banana shot around Al- around Tiafo for a winner, and the place just erupted because they were already cheering the winners for, for Tiafo. Yeah, the way I would sum it up is Tiafo won the point three times and didn't win the point because Alcaraz got to balls that no one else would get to and got them back in awkward spots and then ended up hitting a winner off one of them. It was insane. I mean, I thought I'd seen peak Alcaraz the other day when he hit the ball behind his back and ended up winning the point. This one might have been even better because it was three epic gets. Astonishing. And the noise in the stadium. I mean, that he's playing the home favourite and yet everyone is still going wild for him. He... He is so fun. You can't just n- not get behind him in the stadium. It's it completely irresistible. Genuinely irresistible. And yet the bloke on the other side is kind of irresistible totally. in his own Absolutely. way, isn't he? And irresistible magnetism, when, when irresistible... Did the, when did that rally happen? Can you it remember? Was, it was, at, it was it a 5-6 in the first it set. It was to take it into a, a first set tie break. So, uh, and... The fact that Tiafo, after losing that point, ended up then winning the first set tiebreak, I find, I mean, she should get a mini medal for that because <laughs> I would just pack my bags and leave the court at that point, quite honestly. I'd say, we're playing different sports, clearly. You you win tennis. I'll be going. I'll get my coat. Um, no, he, st- he hangs around, he blooming wins the tiebreak. He's won eight tie breaks well that was his seventh out of seven and then he proceeded to win an eighth out of eight by winning the fourth set no one's ever done that at the US Open won eight eight tie breaks and lost zero well no one's won eight and nobody's ever and he's and he's eight and up goodness I mean that's even more impressive than Arena Sabalenka (laughs) (laughs) it is wild like Eight and O in tie breaks, coming out on top in all of those pressure situations. Extraordinary. It's a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous record because, by dint of the fact that you're in a tie break, it means that you're very evenly matched mm. in a set. You know, yes, there are certain players that play tie breaks well. Novak Djokovic springs to mind first and foremost. Big servers tend to have good tie break records. Nobody's got that one-sided a tie-break record. What's his secret, do you think? I mean, can you identify it at all? I haven't really looked at his tie-break record for his career or the year or anything like that, but what have you seen based on what you've watched today? He senses moments very well. Mm, He's got a radar for a moment. Um, And obviously a tie-break is sort of one extended moment, isn't it? It's a a crescendo. He's just very in tune with energy. Mm. And and Mm. he he makes everybody in the stadium feel like they're part of it and that they can influence it with him. Mm. Yeah, he creates energy and then feeds off it. And and, and honestly, I I will remember this match for lots of reasons. One of the main ones is... Jaffo's comeback in that fourth set I mean he looked 
pretty down and out after sets two and three. Alcaraz went on a stretch of winning loads of, you know, the vast majority of the games. Six three six one. He won sets two and three, and he was three one up it, in, was in set four. Up a break in the fourth, and and not only did Tiafo come back, it wasn't it wasn't a ragged comeback that he that he made Alcaraz's level drop and it was all a bit messy no he played really fun inspired tennis to get back on serve and end up taking that set it was it was an astonishing comeback from him in that in that fourth set it really was twice came from a breakdown yeah didn't he he saved a match point with an unbelievable oh. Oh. counter drop shot Oh, that, it, well, that which was he was a, he was running at it at full pace, and he just had the softest hands and to kill the ball. When it bounced, it bounced at a right angle. Yeah. Oh, and, and then even, even Alcaraz couldn't couldn't get there. <laughs> and then he was five four down in the tiebreak. Tiafo in that set, he just kept kept coming back. Oh, <laughs> what do you what do you say? And I mean, and, and, and I mean, and also, what about Alcaraz then? Yeah. Not not disintegrating in the fifth set when that's just happened, and and this is his third five set match win in a row. Mm, spare a thought for one Carlos Ferrero, who's really been put through the ringer, mm. <laughs> and he's not nineteen. Nerve shredding, <laughs> um, but totally, yeah. But I mean, oh, I, it was quite interesting monitoring Twitter throughout that the sort of fourth and fifth sets and. And some people were saying, you know, this is no longer about tennis. This is about heart. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to argue completely with that. But in the end, tennis, tennis has to win in that in that situation because I, I don't, I, I don't think one player has more. I don't think Alcaraz won because he has more heart than Tiafo. I think he won because he executed it um, when it really mattered. But I mean, we were I'm not we, sure anyone has more heart than no. Tiafo no. tonight. He, he said, didn't he, during the match, I'm putting my heart on the line. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, what a line! And, and I think the thing is, Tiafo had reached a, an emotional peak to win that fourth set. To keep that going for another set was always going to be really, really hard. I know Alcaraz had a tough job as well to come back from losing that fourth set, but I just always felt like he had a little something in reserve in that fifth set, whereas Tiafo had had climbed the mountain to come back into the match. There were so few sort of meat and potatoes rallies, weren't there? There was one rally like that that Carlos Alcaraz won and it was sort of it, it was it was good. I mean it was exceptional. His ground strokes were exceptional. But it was, you know, sort of textbook ground stroke, back of the court, baseline rally stuff. Do you, do you think and, he... and we, we all looked to one another and said, you know, that's going to be the bread and butter. Yeah, it has to be. But, but when? <laughs> when? When's he going to start doing that? It, he's he's doing the exceptional. Usually, the, the, you know, there's a sprinkling of the exceptional. Um, but there's sort of a sprinkling of the mon- mundane among the exceptional tonight, and that applies to Tiafo as well. Yeah, because I mean, Tiafo had a massive. Uh, I don't know whether it was an energy low in sets two and three, but he just suddenly lacked inspiration. He lacked buzz. Um, and I mean, I don't know how you maintain that level for, for, for as long as you need to. 
He was doing a good amount of just laughing at Carlos Alcaraz, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, even when he, throughout the match, that was a consistent theme: laughter <laughs> from Francis Tiafo. Joy between the two. One moment where he climbed over the net. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, it was a point that he had won a couple of times and not won. Um, oh, the whole experience was utterly joyful, yeah. utterly right down to the the post match. Uncle interviews. Yeah, because special. Tiafo stuck around, and Catherine's been momentarily distracted by the fact that that we've seen a, a celeb on on the that, that was that was apparently there tonight. Well, there were a lot of celebs there tonight. Most notably, Michelle Obama. Um, oh yes, of course. Who was dialed in throughout? She was fully cheerleading Francis Tiafo. In fact, when um, when he headed into that first set tiebreak, he. Um, he came down Michelle Obama's end of the court, which was also our end of the court. And of course, you know, best seats in the house. She's right at the front, and they locked eyes. And she went, "Let's go." We kind of love it. Um, who else? John Bon Jovi was sat just behind Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, didn't see them chatting, but maybe I missed it. Um, Jason Biggs was there. Yes. Apparently, he's still famous. <laughs> American um, people pie. were very excited. People were very excited whenever he came <laughs> on the screen, and it turns out that um, Greg the Egg from Succession was also there tonight. Which is which, which is the most exciting I'm, news of the lot for you. I might have got a bit weird if I'd known that <laughs> Greg was there while we were in the stadium. So it's probably best that I only found out afterwards. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, so yeah. Tiafo stuck around for the, the post-match interviews even though he'd lost, which is quite rare, but it does happen occasionally, particularly with a home player. I'm really glad he did. He, he only took the one question from Patrick McInerney, but he just delivered the lines that you would that you would want in any interview. I mean, first of all, he... And it was it was quite melancholy the way he just said, you know, I, I, I came here to win the US Open and I really feel like I've let you all down. And... Patrick McInerney said you didn't let anybody down. And then he Martina Hingist himself. <laughs> yeah, he said, I'll come back and I'll win this thing one day. Sorry, guys. And he walked off. Mike drop. What a mic drop. What a moment. Although then he did spend about ten minutes packing his bags. <laughs> <laughs> but that's... That's because his because his area is, such is a state. so chaotic. He, he's a wonderful tennis player and a, and a magnetic character and an absolutely great guy. But my word, is he a mess with his stuff? <laughs> yeah, because he changes his shirt about fourteen times a match. That's no exaggeration. Yeah. I reckon it was. I, I genuinely looked up the Grand Slam rule book to see whether you have to wear a shirt. Every, on behalf every of change Francis event, Tiafa. he was just sat there topless. Yeah, and, every and, change event. And any time he wanted to change his racket, he didn't put it back in his bag. He just sort of tossed it over the back of the, <laughs> chi- the back of the chair. Andy Murray wouldn't approve, would he? <laughs> it was great fun though to watch. All about, um, he's all about cleaning up your mess. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't notice too much of what Carlos Alcaraz said after the match, Matt, because I was so kind of almost in a trance about what I'd seen and what I'd heard from Tiafo in his interview. Did, did you catch any of it? Well, there was a nice moment where Patrick McEnroe let him speak in Spanish to the crowd and uh, he, he finished that with a really determined this is for me, this is for my family and this is for all of you and it was like there's one more match to go, like 
he's he's coming after that title. He's he's not done yet. No. Oh, it's, it's sorry, Casper. <laughs> it's also perfectly lined up though now for the oh, final, it's isn't t- it? It's tantalising. So j- just to remind us, Matt, the winner of that match is not only a first time ever major title winner, a Grand Slam champion, but also the world number one. Yeah. Truly tantalising. What did you make of the the crowd reaction? to both players I mean there were some lovely moments where they're shouting let's go Francis like that And but the the, the Delpo type chants for, for Carlos really took me by surprise and Del Potro was in the um, ESPN Deportes um, commentary booth this evening wasn't he the spirit of Delpo in the Arthur Ashe I mean the, the body of Delpo also <laughs> in the Arthur Ashe Stadium all of Delpo in the Arthur Ashe Stadium <laughs> Um, there was a there was a lot of whether it was Spanish support or just general Alcaraz support. I mean, I feel like he must just be creating fanatical supporters by the night. Yeah. I mean, just by the shed load everywhere he goes. Um, it, it is. It, we're repeating our own content now. It's irresistible. His tennis. Yeah. If you don't like that, you don't like tennis. You might not like sport. You might not like fun. <laughs> yeah, if you don't like Carlos Alcaraz, then you are zero laughs. <laughs> and I feel sorry for you. Uh, he, he is doing things that I don't think we've ever seen before in terms of how he wins points. I'm glad that you think that because I, I think that when I watch him. I've never seen what I'm seeing before with my own eyes. Um, but your memory goes back further than mine. I'm, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm very wary of recency bias. Just because I've not seen it with my own eyes doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But I have not seen anything like it before. But long term, is it fair to say he's going to have to learn other ways to win in order to properly fulfil his potential? Because yeah, you can't he, keep he, sort he of a, soaring across the. One, you know, you can't he? just every time soar across the blooming court like a superhero sometimes you've just got to win a normal point yeah well I think Novak Djokovic is probably quite a good blueprint to be honest I mean Djokovic when he came through in 07 was doing well a little bit before that but 07 sort of his first big year he was drop shotting all over the place he had a really explosive forehand and he developed a game that was far more disciplined and effective and ruthless and you know the number of times he would just win easily in Grand Slam that's what Alcaraz needs to do he needs, yeah. that's part of it he needs to win more efficiently because honestly I think he'll be fine I think physically in, in two days time but he could have beaten Yannick Sinner in straight sets and he probably should have won this in four sets tonight like he has expended a lot of energy on the court even the Marin Cilic match he probably should have won in four like He's just treating us all, Matt. Oh, He's treating us I'm all here to, for a, it. to a good time. I, I quite enjoy the, the Matt Roberts telling off of the man that he discovered as a boy. 
just a sort of gentle ticking off for his lack of efficiency. <laughs> yeah, he needs to make some more second serve returns, I would say, as well, if we're, if we're doing this. And, and I mean, <laughs> his break point conversion would oh, be... Oh, yeah, that's would another be, one. That would be an interesting look, wouldn't <laughs> it? piling up, Matt. It's a wonder he's in the final, to be I honest. Th- I think we should... I think I'd quite like to <laughs> see a Matt stat on break point conversion of the career of... Carlos Alcaraz. Well, Roger Federer famously yeah. has very bad breakpoint conversion, and as much as we all reach for the the lazy Nadal comparison, of course, Alcaraz compares himself far more to Roger Federer. In fact, Rude compares himself to Nadal, models himself on Nadal, and Alcaraz models himself on Federer. So maybe he's modelling the breakpoint conversion <laughs> on Roger Federer as well. Mm. Mm. They've only played the once, haven't they? And that was in Miami? The Miami, Miami. final. Mm. Won by Alcaraz. Alcaraz won pretty convincingly, I think. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember Rude being rocked back in his shoes by what, what he was up against that night. I think this will be closer. Rude's, Rude's better. better. Even yeah. in the last six or seven months, he has got better. And, and, and Alcaraz still can have erratic periods. Mm. So, oh, could be a good final. I, I, I think it, I think we could get a good final. We'll get we should as long as they both play well, we should get really good rallies because they're both really good at moving. Yeah, and I'd hitting. be surprised if either of them freeze or lay an egg, yeah. um, which is our new favourite favourite phrase. Because Alcaraz is nineteen and fearless, and he hasn't lost in straight sets all year. He's exactly. literally laid no eggs, <laughs> eggless. <laughs> and Rude's been there before. And as we were discussing earlier, seems like he feels like he belongs now. Um, yeah, I, I see. I foresee no eggs. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm relieved. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Um, have we? Have we previewed the women's final yet? I don't think we have. Have we no. said what we think is going to happen? I know we we, we we don't want to do sets because the sets are going to appear in the newsletter, which you can sign up to if you uh, go in your show notes and you'll get our daily newsletter, that's at the slams, and, and our weekly one throughout the year. Um, we'll have our predictions in. But, I mean, what what are you feeling at the moment, Matt, about Iga Svantec against Ons Jabeur? Well, I'm, I've, got a, I've got an inkling for Jabeur. But you, I mean, was you in denial because you haven't butched Fiontek in Probably. I probably am. I keep thinking she's going to lose. But then, as I said on yesterday's podcast, the way she finished that match against Sabalenka was different to her other matches. It was, it was a lockdown. It was a better, just better performance. Despite my inkling, the thing which sways me to Fiontek is just how well she's played in finals. Mm. You know, I was reminded of that record today that she just destroys people in finals she's won many consecutively barely loses games doesn't lose sets and I just think we might get that sort of performance from her again tomorrow I think Jabur is playing well enough that even if Sviantec does play well she can she can make it closer than some of those finals but I'm just I'm expecting Sviantec to play well now and I think she's the better player so, despite my inkling for Jabur, I'm going to go with my head and say Sviantec. As am I, because I picked her to win the title at the outset. Catherine? Well, I've, I've gone for Jabur, but I also do agree with everything that Matt just said, so I'm, I'm feeling very... You're going with the inkling? I'm going with the inkling, yeah. I, because I think... 
think the the disruption factor of Jabir's game can poke at that little chink that we see in Svantec's game that we didn't see during the streak. Mm. Do, do you think the Wimbledon final may help Jabir? Oh, absolutely. Like the fact that she's had that experience now. Absolutely. I feel like I saw that in the semi-final. The steal, you know, this one is not being taken away from me. She looks more um, comfortable in her own skin, just generally, doesn't definitely. she? Definitely. You know, and, and less sort of desperate. Yeah. At Wimbledon, there was a sort of, oh, God, the, it, the, this is the one. It Could has be to be this never. time, now she or said, never. She said, this one feels real, and that one felt like a dream. Mm. Which mm, is a great line. good way of putting it, I think. And I think this just, you know, consecutive Grand Slam finals will just reassure her, no panic, I'm doing this regularly now. It's not now or never. I would very much like it to be now. But if not now, then quite soon. Yeah. <laughs> she, because she could contend at all, all of them. Um, mm. I think she could She could be really good in Australia. I think Australia's going to love her. And then, you know, she disappointed at the at Roland Garros this year, but that surely is only a matter of time before she has a really good Roland Garros with her game. Absolutely. So, oh, it's... It's a, it's a tantalising prospect. It's all coming up tomorrow. We're going to have a, a podcast after the women's final, of course. Um, we'll bring you up to date with all the other finals that take place tomorrow and, uh, and, and again on Sunday as well. Catherine will be presenting Prime Video's coverage tomorrow. Um, I will be doing some some chat on the radio to, to, to preview the, the match. Um, and I'll be doing some updates as well. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Then yeah, then we'll all convene for a, another edition of the Tennis Podcast. But I think as the bus now sort of chugs into Manhattan at, uh, what is it, after half past midnight now. Yeah, got stuck in traffic in the tunnel at, at 1am. Yeah. City that never sleeps. <laughs> what a treat. Already had a, a little a little bit of a, a nose-to-nose with, the, with one of the bus people mm-hmm. before, before we got on. Which Missed is it for the last three years. Bit of a tradition. Welcome back. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Friday night at the tennis has come to an end. It, I mean, it was magical. It was, it was an amazing, yeah, it was amazing experience. And we all watched it together, and, and it was a treat to watch it with you both. Um, we, uh, we have our mascot for the US Open, which is Phoebe, and Phoebe's doing us proud. Um, we have our individual mascots. I've got Darwin, Catherine's got Carter, and uh, Matt's Points got... today, Carter. Oh, yeah? Who was that? 
rude in four. Unfortunately, oh. Matt copied me, so he and the dearly departed Gerald have. <laughs> I always get muscled in on the action. And Alcaraz let me down by not taking his fourth set match point that he had. He did, which yeah. would have put me amongst the contenders. Ah, oh, Carlos. <laughs> rubbish he is as we've established disappointment yeah, disappointment he's got lots to learn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our executive producers are Carl Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee Billie Jean the dog is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss and Matt would it be fair to say that we have shout outs shall we sneak some shout outs in sneak them in before the bus stops and we have to rush off with all well, the two microphones blocks, two running. blocks Matt ok we've got Jamie Brooks in Dubai. Right, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Like Jamie Murray. Yeah, like Jamie Murray. Good on you, Jamie. We've got Beatrice Gote. Oh, like Beatrice like Hadamaya. <laughs> Spelled a bit differently, but okay. yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> Beatrice, hey, thank we're, you. We're for... on the last block, so we're going with that. Thanks thank for being you, a Beatrice. friend. And we've got Llewellyn Van in Cambridge. Hello, Llewellyn. Right, Llewellyn. Uh, it's a Welsh name. Yeah, I don't know any Let tennis. Us, uh, any backstory about Llewellyn? None. We, we stopped at a red light now, so you got time if you want to squeeze some in. No, I, none. I had some Beatrice backstory, <laughs> but okay. I didn't think we had time for that. Okay. We seem to be taking an unexpected left turn. So it's turned. So back to Beatrice. Well, she's currently living in Sunnyvale near San Jose, California. She was born in Paris educated and raised in Marseille and lived in London for 10 years goodness wow. I say a bit of backstory S- fantastic Sunnyvale is, that must be what Sunnydale was based on which is where Buffy the Vampire Slayer was set also in California Matt's nodding like yeah that's a cultural reference that happened in my lifetime <laughs> okay great uh, alright well thank you all Llewellyn you included <laughs> Um, and uh, don't forget that our AO Travel Australian Open competition is still live. You could win a trip to the Australian Open in January. You have to be a friend of the Tennis Podcast to do so. If you are a friend of the Tennis Podcast, you get access to 20 additional bonus podcasts from us. Um, you'll also get access to all of our competitions. You've basically supported us as well uh, throughout the year for all the production we do. Um, and the competition, AO Travel, are the official travel providers for the Australian Open. They provide flights, accommodation, tickets premium experiences all in one place they really do the most incredible stuff um, so go and have a look at them austravel.com um, and if you want to enter our competition become a friend if you're already a friend look out for the link in your newsletter or email us friends at tennispodcast.net that's all for tonight folks the bus is coming in to park up and we will see you after the women's final tomorrow tomorrow